I'm really glad to come and to join you guys today. It's a privilege to come and to spend this Sunday together with you. Um, we're going to start off by looking at a passage in the book of John. So if you have your Bibles, you turn to John chapter 14 or on your smartphones. I know that a lot of people are on there paperless. I'm actually on there too. <laughs> John chapter 14, we're going to look at a couple verses, and uh, this, the context of this passage is, is Jesus has already made his way down to Jerusalem. He's told his disciples that he's going to go to the cross, and then he's going to be, and he's going to, he's going to die. And then these are the words he's speaking in John 14. Verse 12 says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, it's an interesting passage when you look at what Jesus is telling his disciples. In verse 12, he tells them, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me. So this is expanding it beyond just what the disciples uh, who he's talking to, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. So I don't know about you, when I read that passage, it's a little hard for me to believe that. We're going to do greater works than Jesus? When you kind of start thinking about, and when you look at all the things that Jesus does throughout his life, and all the, all the things, the miracles, and all the healings, and all the teachings, and all the things that he's done in his life, and this statement is kind of hard to believe. When you read the statement that Jesus is saying, he said, you who believe in me are going to do greater works than I am doing. How are we supposed to receive that? Is Jesus trying to just be humble at this point? Is he trying to be like the Asian false humility kind of thing, self-depreciating? Because you know Jesus was Asian, right? Israel is in Asia. Jesus was Asian. Did you know that? <laughs> so that as Asians, we actually have unique insight to what's happening in the culture of the Bible. Jesus was Asian. Is that what's happening here? Is he saying that, oh, I'm really, oh, what I was doing, that, that's just nothing. You guys are going to do way greater things than that. Is that what's happening? I don't think so. I don't think so. Jesus didn't have false humility. He wasn't boastful in that way, but he told the truth. He told the truth about who he was. So if that's the case, then how are we supposed to receive verse 12? How are we supposed to receive this truth when he says, you're going to do greater works than even I did? Well, I think one of the difficulties for us receiving this is because we make a comparison. We're comparing ourselves with Jesus. You say, I don't measure up to Jesus. I, don't, I can't measure up to who he is and what he's done, that he was the son of God. How am I supposed to do greater works than Jesus? But I think when we start making that comparison, that's what feeds into the problem. And I think that this is a problem that we experience all throughout our Christian life. And the problem is this, is that when we think about what's possible, when we think about the things that we can do in our life, we always look at ourselves. We always look at ourselves. That's what makes this passage difficult to understand. That's what makes this passage difficult to receive is because we think about ourselves and comparing it to Jesus. When Jesus says, I have been doing these things and you will do greater works than I will, we often think about ourselves compared to Jesus. But I think that that's one of the problems that we have in our Christian life is when we think it about 
ourselves. And we look at the lens of what we think in our ability, our strengths, our talents, the things that we can accomplish on our own. That's the lens we look at what we think is possible for our lives. But that's not what we see here in this passage. When actually, when you look at this passage, Jesus is saying something totally different. Look in verse 12. He says, the, whoever believes in me, I will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater works than these because, what's the reason? Because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified. You may ask me for anything in my name and what? I will do it. What's the common theme we see throughout these passages? You're going to do greater things. What's the reason why? I'm going to go to the Father. When you ask things, I'm going to do it. So the Son may be, Father may be glorified. Verse 14, when you may ask me anything, I will do it. You're going to do greater things because God wants you to do greater things. You're going to accomplish greater things than what Jesus did because that's part of God's plan. Because that's what he's going to do. Not what we're going to do. That's what he's going to do. When we have to see things from our perspective, because when we look at this, we see it from our own lens and we need to start shifting that. And I think that this is one of the biggest lies the enemy uses to change our experience of what the Christian life was supposed to be. The Christian life is not supposed to be about us. The Christian life is not supposed to be looking through a lens of what we can do, how we can perform, how the things that we can accomplish. It's what God can do, not what we can do. When we look at this passage, we have to see that this is what's happening when we read it. We have this bias. We have this lens. And I really feel like it's from the world. It's from the enemy. That The Bible says the enemy is very crafty, that he twists things, that these are actually good things we want to do. But still, we're making it about what we're going to do. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's like this example of this woman who's going shopping. And then um, she's going. It's not my wife, by the way. So she's going shopping. And uh, she's going to the mall. And she goes into this one store. And then she ends up buying this really expensive dress. So she takes it home. She takes it home. And then she tries to hide it a little bit. But her husband finds it out and finds this dress and looks at the price tag like, what are you doing? We can't afford a dress like this. How come you're spending so much money on this dress? And then she said, I know, I know, I know, I know we can't afford it. I know, but the devil made me do it. What are you talking about the devil made me do it? Well, when I was going and I saw this on the rack, it looked so cute. And I went to the dressing room. And when I was in the dressing room, the devil showed up. And the devil said, wow, you look really good in that dress. This, is, this makes you look so good. And you're like, I know, I shouldn't have done it, but he's saying, how much I good? I looked in the mirror, I do look pretty good. And the husband said to the wife, you should have told him, get behind me, Satan. That's what you should have done. I did do that. I told him, get behind me, Satan. And then I looked in the mirror, he was behind me. And then he said, girl, you look good from back here too. <laughs> I feel like that's what the enemy does. He kind of feeds into things that are already built into us, like this whole performance mentality. And I think a lot of us growing up in Asian culture, that's easy to see. This is built into the fabric of our culture. This is built into the fabric of what we grew up with. But I feel it affects us in our Christian life. This is something that we need to address. We need to change our thinking about what we think about ourselves and our own performance. We need to see more from a biblical perspective and a biblical lens of what God thinks about our performance. Let's look at another passage. Uh, this comes from Matthew 11. Okay, When we look at this passage, it's going to be 
clear that we need to have a change in thinking about what we're doing, okay? Matthew 11, start verse 28. Jesus says, this is again Jesus speaking, he says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, when you look at this passage, who is Jesus addressing? In verse 28, he's talking to all those people who are weary and burdened and heavy laden. He's talking to people who are burnt out, people who are on the edge. They don't, they can't handle anymore. These are the people that he's addressing. These are the people he's talking to in Matthew 11, verse 28. What does he tell them? He's telling all of these people to do what? He says, verse 29, take my yoke upon you. What in the world does that mean? What is Jesus saying when he tells these people, take my yoke upon you? Okay, well, I think there's several things we could mean. So if you think about the culture, biblical culture where we're in, that these people are agricultural. Okay, so they'll have a certain lens of what they think about a yoke is. So a yoke, we're not agricultural society, so if you think of yoke, it's not an egg. Okay, that's not what he's talking about. He's not putting an egg, take my, take my yoke and put it on you. He's not going to throw an egg at you. He's not talking about that you're yoked, you're really strong. Do people even use that word anymore? Am I dating myself? Okay. <laughs> Back when I was a yoked, it was like, you're yoked, okay? But my son is cringing, sorry. <laughs> what is Jesus talking about in the context here when he's talking about yoke? Well, let's look at a picture. If we can have the picture up on the screen. Okay, so for agricultural society, this is what they would understand a yoke to be. Okay, the yoke is that wooden bar that connects those two oxen together. Okay, there's that would be one of the images that the, the readers or the listeners that Jesus is talking would understand when he says, put my yoke upon you. He's talking about that, right? But there's actually another way that they would receive it. In the Jewish culture, a yoke is actually something, refers to something else. It actually refers to coming underneath a master. Okay, so if you look at the oxen, there, there's, a, there's that bar, it's a yoke. It's like coming underneath the yoke. It's like submitting yourself to your master. You, what it means to be yoked together with your master means you're going to be putting yourself and submitting yourself to your master. All the things he's about, all his teachings, all his commandments, all the things that he tells you to do, you're going to be doing those things. And when you look at the Jewish side, they, they would understand both of these terms. They would understand the agricultural side, and they would understand this other Jewish side that means to be yoked together with a master means coming underneath him, coming underneath the master and serving him, being underneath him, being underneath him and listening to all of his teachings, listening to all the things that he's telling you to do. When you understand the context of what's happening, this passage actually becomes more confusing. Because who was he talking to? He's talking to people who are, are tired. They're worn out. They can't handle anymore. And then what does he tell them to do? Put my yoke on you. Wait a minute. I thought these are people who are tired and weary and they need rest. And Jesus is telling them to put my yoke on you. Put all of my commandments on you. Put all of my teachings on you. Put all the things that I tell you to do. Put that on you. Does that make any sense? Am I the only one that says, like, this doesn't make any sense? Why is he telling these people who are weak and weary and heavy laden, put my yoke on you? It doesn't make any sense from our performance way of thinking and our performance mentality. 
because we think we're going to have to do that. We're going to have to carry this other heavy weight. It's like you carrying this backpack that has like 50 pounds of rocks in it, and you're so tired from carrying all these rocks, and you're so weary, and then you come to Jesus and say, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. All you are weak and weary. Come, and I'll give you rest. I'm going to put some more rocks in your backpack. That's my solution for you. I'm going to put more heavy weight on you. That's not what's happening. Jesus is saying, put my yoke on you. Because look at that picture. Okay, imagine you're one of the yoke, one of the oxen. You can pick the left or the right, whichever you think looks better. Who's the other oxen? If you're one of those oxen that, and he's talking to, who's the other oxen? Who are you being yoked together with? Whose yoke is he asking you to put on? It's his. The other one is Jesus. Okay, so think for me for a second. Okay, if you're one of those yoke, right? If you're one of those oxen, sorry. And then Jesus is the other oxen. And then you're tied together. And they're supposed to pull in unison together. Guess who's going to be doing the pulling? That ain't going to be you. If you're yoked together with Jesus like that, He's going to be doing the pulling. That's not going to be you. I remember when uh, my kids were a little, little, back when they liked to help out. <laughs> I, I remember one, one of the days I went shopping at Costco, and then I was bringing this big box out of the car. It was like this big, heavy box. I don't know, 50, 60 pounds or whatever. I was bringing this box, and then they wanted to help. Okay, so they're really cute. They're coming up there. Oh, we want to help. We want to carry it. We want to carry it. We can carry it. We can carry it. Okay, so I'm carrying this box, and then they're standing underneath the box, and then, you know, they're lifting it up, right? And so we're walking like this, right? And then when we're looking at this, when you're looking at the situation, I think from the kid's perspective, they feel like they were lifting it, right? In their mind, they're totally thinking, oh, and you can tell they're straining, right? They're, oh, they're straining. With, you can see the strain on it. They really feel like they're lifting this box. In reality, who's lifting the box? Me. In fact, if I dropped that box, they would have been crushed, Right? It's twice the weight that they are. They would have been smashed. Who's carrying the box? Jesus is. But we're, a lot of ourselves, we put ourselves like those children, like our, our, my kids in that situation, we feel like we're carrying it. And we feel the weight. We feel the weight because we were never designed this way. We weren't designed to carry those things on our own. We weren't designed to carry that weight, to carry those things and carry the responsibility of those things in our life. We weren't designed that way. We were designed for the Lord to carry it, for us to be yoked together with God so that God does the carrying. God does the heavy lifting. We're supposed to partner together with him. We have our own part. We're supposed to come up and be yoked together with him. That's our part, right? That's our choice. That's our responsibility. We need to come underneath the master. We need to come and submit to him and be yoked together with him. After that, that's his part. He takes over after that. That's not our responsibility. That's not our duty. That's not our things that we have to carry. And when we do carry it, we feel it. And you know what I'm talking about. You know the heavy weight. You know how hard it is to carry things in life. You know, it talked about failure and all the things that the world brings against us. You talked about all the responsibilities and expectations of people and our family and our friends and even from ourselves. All of those things are like a heavy weight for us to carry. And if we feel like we're the ones responsible to push it and to pull it and to make those things happen, it's hard. It's hard. And you have to like 
raise up and then try to pull up your bootstraps and you try to keep going and try to push through on things on your own. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way that God designed. That's not the way that he created us to be. He created us so that he could be God and that we wouldn't have to be. So that he could carry the weight and we wouldn't have to. For that we could just listen to whatever the master is saying and saying, like, when we do those things, it's easy. When Jesus says in verse 30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, it's because when you do the things he says, he's behind that. He's endorsing it. He's actually the one doing it. When you listen to what he says, it's easy and it's light because he's going to do it. Does that make sense? When you listen to the words of Jesus, when you, tell, when you do what he's telling you to do, it becomes easy and light. It's when we're not listening to what he's saying and doing the things that we feel like is going to solve the problem or in our own thinking is going to solve the problem, that's when it becomes heavy. And Jesus is saying, come unto me, all who are weak and weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Put my yoke on you. Listen to me. I love you. I know what plans I have for you. I know the right thing for you. I know the right position for you. I know the right person for you. I know your future. I know all the things that are, he knows every hair on our head. You don't think that he knows and understands the things that are deep in our heart and really in our desires? He knows it. But can we trust it? Can we let go? Because in order to be yoked together with Jesus and to do the experience, you have to let go. Like if you think of yourself as one of the ones um, yoked together with Jesus, you can, you can put, dig in your heels, you can stop, you can try to turn to the right, you can turn to turn to the left. When God's going this way, you can go the other. You can do that. You, he, he still gives you choice. You are not, he, you can, he's not going to override that. You can still do that. It takes some responsibility on our part to just listen and trust. There was a... There was one morning that I was going to meet with a friend of mine for breakfast. And um, it's funny, we talked about the paperless thing. So, like, I'm, I'm kind of, like, in between my parents' generation and the younger generation. The younger generation is, like, everything is just, like, here, right? So I, I was still kind of, like, hesitant. I'm still in between where I'm open to that. And I like parents' generation where they're like, no, no, I'm not really open to that kind of stuff. But for me, I went to this transition period where I started going paperless, okay? So I started having, like, no notebooks and folders and even this like I just used everything on the phone now right and so this one morning though I was getting ready to leave and I was gonna have breakfast with a friend of mine at Panera Bread and right before I was leaving I felt like the Lord telling me you need to take your Bible with you okay so and actually it was this Bible this big big Bible here okay so he told me to take take this with you when you go to Panera Bread Okay, I'll take it with me. So I take the, take the Bible with me, meet with my friend at Panera Bread, and then during our whole time, I did not use the Bible, right? And so I'm thinking, why did, why did God tell me to bring my Bible today? That's really strange, right? And so I'm leaving and then saying goodbye to my friend, and then he leaves, and then this man come, comes up to me and approaches me, and he says, oh, I see you have a Bible. And I'm like, Okay, I can't, I can't hide it, right? <laughs> it's a little conspicuous, right? So, yeah, I have a Bible. He said, that's a really nice Bible you have. And I was, so I ended up just starting talking to him a little bit. And then he said, uh, he asked me if I could help him. And I said, what do you need? And he said, well, I'm trying to get to the pharmacy to get some drugs, right? And uh, not those kind of drugs, but the other kind of drugs, the legitimate kind of drugs. He needs to get his prescriptions, 
fulfilled. And I said, I can help you. So why don't you get in my car and let's go. So he gets in my car and then we drive to his pharmacy and then we get out. And then when we get out, he goes to the desk and uh, I guess they know him, right? Because I think he causes all kinds of like hassles or whatever going on in this place. And so they're talking to him and then he's like trying to tell him something about his insurance and da, da, da. And then he's saying, well, you still need to pay this money and this money. He's like, no, I don't. And my insurance should cover that. And they're like arguing. And then I just felt the Lord telling me, you need to pay for him. So I take out my credit card and then I, I pay for his medication. And he was kind of like taken back by that. And then he was really quiet. Then we come out, we leave the, the pharmacy and we're in the parking lot. And then all of a sudden he, I, I was going to say goodbye to him. And all of a sudden I turn to him and then he hugs me, right? So it's this like big Caucasian guy, you know, like 50, 50 or 60 years old. He's like bear hugging me in the parking lot, right? And it's kind of weird seeing this. Caucasian guy, kind of big guy, and this Korean guy, they're, they're like embracing. You know when the embrace kind of feels like a little bit too long, a little bit uncomfortable? So it was kind of like that, where we're kind of embracing in the parking lot, and then we're right in the middle of the parking lot, and like cars are coming, they're honking at us, like that's kind of where we're, we're at. And then he says to me, thank you so much. I felt like God sent an angel for me today, that I really felt God's love through you today. And then I realized, there's a reason the Lord told me to do this. And I didn't have to understand why. But in the end, I did understand. Uh, I tell that example because it's just an everyday thing. And I, I want to tell another story, too. But I want to encourage you. It's not just in the big things that you hear the Lord. It's not just in the big things about, like, what job or what marriage or what house. It's not just in the big decisions that you want to seek the Lord and to ask him about things. You can talk to him about the little things that you experience every day in life. You want to talk to him and ask him to, to tell you so you can come be yoked together with him so he could do the pulling for you. That you want to be doing the things that he's doing because when you do, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And then you're going to find rest. Then you're going to find a peace and then you're going to find the things that the Lord wants us to experience. But that happens on a daily basis. That doesn't just happen when you seek God about big things that you ask the Lord about and listen to him about the little things that happen every day. Another example, I was getting gas, and so I was driving over to Costco, and uh, there's a long line at Costco go to the gas station. And at first I was like, oh, maybe I should go to a different place, but it's, it's back when the prices were like getting towards like $4. It was kind of expensive. I'm like, no, I, got, I just got to wait. I just got to wait here. So I'm waiting in the line, and then I'm listening to like a message on the radio, and then, you know, I finally get to, uh, to get to the pump. So I get out of the pump. And then on my left, uh, there's a person on the other side of the pump, and they're talking to the attendant. And I'm kind of overseeing, overhearing what they're talking about. And, and the lady was saying, oh, in order to use this gas pump, you have to have a Costco membership. And uh, they just, you know, granted, they just waited in this huge line, too, the same one that I waited in, in order to start getting gas. And they said, oh, you can't use this without a Costco membership. And then you're saying, oh, well, you can go in and maybe uh, buy a Costco gift card. That'll work here. And, da, 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 da. and when I'm listening to this, I felt like the Lord kind of prompting me, saying, you need to go pay for their gas. Right? And so I stopped and I pull it, I get out of my, uh, you know, leave my station at the pump and I go over there and I start talking to this woman. And this woman, she has. Uh, the head covering, and you could tell she's kind of from the Middle East, and her and her husband were there. And I asked them, 
do you think it's okay if I paid for your gas? And she's like, oh, that would be so great. And so, you know, I put my card in there and then the husband starts pumping the gas. And so I started talking to the wife. And I was talking to the wife and then I found out she's from Saudi Arabia. And then she said, she asked, oh, what nationality are you? I said, oh, I'm Korean. He said, oh, I have a relative who married a Korean man, right? And so we're kind of talking a little bit, kind of, kind of connecting. And then, um, then the guy finishes gas and then all of a sudden I hear all these, eh, eh, eh. I'm like, oh shoot, there's a huge line of cars waiting for my pump because I'm like chatting and have this conversation with this person. They're like super upset at me, right? I'm okay, saying, oh no, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. So I go and I, you know, hang up, hang up the, the nozzle or whatever. And then the lady starts pulling up and the lady's really mad, right? So she's like, how are you so inconsiderate? Da, 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 da. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I just felt like I wanted to, to pay for these people's gas over there because they didn't have a Costco card. And then all of a sudden her face just started melting down and she started getting way more calm. And then, and then I could tell she's like listening because I'm talking to them again and she's like listening in on the conversation about me talking to them. And I just felt like, because he wanted to pay me. And I said, no, I just felt like God wanted to, to love you today. And he wanted to show you that he sees you. And so I wanted to pay for the gas. And so I get back in my car, and then I'm, I'm starting to drive off, and the man is, like, running after me. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's going on here? Okay, so the man is, like, running after my car, and then he stops me. He's, like, he's like waving like this, stop, 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 stop. So I pull over to the side, and I roll down the window, and then he comes, and he says, no, I need to give you money. I need to give you money. And so he hands me $70. I'm like, $70. And I look back, oh, it's a Suburban. Okay, <laughs> it was a lot of gas, right? And so I said, no, 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 no. Like, I wanted to do this for you. I really wanted to do this for you. Let me do this for you. Right? He said, no, 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 no. I can't let you do this. And he's like shoving the money. I'm like, no, 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 really. God really wanted me to do this for you, to bless you and to love you and to know that he, he wants that he sees you. No, 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 no. I can't do it. We're going back and forth, back and forth. And I'm like, okay, this guy's, he's not going to give up. So I take the money and I said, you know, I, I said goodbye to him and I start driving off. And I was thinking, well, you know, that was kind of cool, but I really, I didn't want this money. I just felt bad about this money. And I felt like, Lord, I don't want this money. It just feels, doesn't feel right, right? Because kind of took away from what I, what, what I sensed what you, what you wanted. And he said, don't worry about it. I said, okay. So I make my way back home. And when I get back home, uh, we hire gardeners to come over because I have a black thumb, you know. So we hire gardeners to come over, and my gardeners are over at our house. And all of a sudden, I see the gardeners. And he says, give the gardeners the money. And I said, oh, my gosh, that's, that's good. That's good, Lord. So I get out, and I get the man, and the man works together with his son. And so I call them both together. And then I gave them money, and I told him, I just wanted to, to bless you today and to know that God loves you and that he wants you to know that he sees you. So the kind of similar message he gave me before. And then you could tell he's like almost starting to cry, and he's like thanking me for giving me this money. And I just love thinking, God, you're so good. You're so good. None of it was his big thing. I'm not asking the Lord about, you know, will I take this position or that position or whatever. It's just me on a daily basis, just kind of listening to the Lord, just prompting and the way he's listening. 
When you look at what happened, that I was just pumping gas at a gas station, and yet I was able to minister to this woman from Saudi Arabia. If you're not familiar with how it is in Saudi Arabia, women have no rights. You know, they just got the right to drive, and even then, you're just hearing stories about women getting, uh, their cars getting thrashed and bombs being attached to their bombs because they're against women driving. And women, they can't go out, they can't go out unescorted. They're supposed to have limited contact with men. In fact, there's separate entrances in like banks and schools and all public places. There's separate entrances for men and women because they don't want to, they want to limit the interaction between men and women. It's the most segregated country in the world between the sexes. The most segregated. And I'm thinking, Lord, how is this, you know, that me, this Korean man in America is ministering to this Saudi Arabian woman in the United States and for her to be able to receive from me and to be blessed by you. That, that, that stuff just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. But it does with the Lord. It does with God. God has those things. He has those things for you too. He has those kind of plans and kind of assignments and kind of things for you every day. We just need to listen. We need to get past our own striving and our own performance. I need to get this done and this done and this done. And then I know. I mean, I love to make lists. I have lists all the time, like check, 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 check. I know it's very easy to kind of get into that mentality of like getting things done and getting the next thing and the next thing, being productive. But I think that that's why the Bible tells us that we have to stop and be still. We have to be able to listen to God, to be yoked together with him. Because when you hear him, and you listen to him, it's easy and it's light. Let's pray together. Lord, I have a sense that there's, there's quite a few here that do feel weary and burdened, heavy laden. I feel like there's the stress and the strain and some of you are experiencing depression and anxiety. Some of you are experiencing like feeling panicked and some of you are feeling unfulfilled and there's a lot of things that might be going on and I feel like the Lord's invitation to you this morning is come put my yoke on you. It's not a heavy burden. It's not something that I want to add onto your backpack. It's not some additional responsibilities and additional things that I want you to do and additional things that you, hoops that you have to jump through. That's not what I'm inviting you to. I'm inviting you to be yoked together with me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light because I do the pulling. If you feel like you want to receive that invitation with me, I just want you to pray together with me right now. And just say, Lord, I just surrender to you. And I just want to say that I'm tired of carrying the, the weight on my own. I'm tired of feeling the responsibility that it's all on me. It's all on my effort. And it's all upon my performance. And it's all on the things that I can accomplish. Right now, Lord, I just want to submit that to you. I just want to repent and to turn around and say, like, I don't want that anymore. I want the kind of life that you want for me to yoke together with you, to be tied, intimately connected with you, close to you, close to you, so that I could feel you and sense you and to know what you're about, to know what's on your heart, to know the things that you're saying, 
And even if it's surprising things, things we have no idea what the, the result is going to be, that's okay too. That's where we need faith. So Lord, so I want to invite you, if that's you, just to pray that and to give your heart to the Lord this morning. Say, yes, Lord, I want you. I want to be yoked together with you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.